Welcome to Ability Beef Talk. Today we got Posh Notion, Bonnie Posh Notion on board. So tell me about a little bit about yourself and uh, what does positive affirmation mean to you and some of the struggles you've been through along your journey. Wow. Um, so that's a, there's a lot. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to start. Uh, I had a fairly tumultuous childhood. Uh, had some anxiety and depression fairly young. Uh, okay. I had kids fairly young as well. My, my oldest at 21. And, wow. Yeah. And then I had my daughter at 23 or 24, 23 turning 24, something like that. Um, and then uh, shortly after, about a year after having her, I was in a car accident and told I wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to work anymore. And so instead, I decided to go back to school. Um, and I went back to school for accounting. So I did a two year degree and then worked in the field for four or five, five or six years, actually. Um, and in 2011, I contracted a rare illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which initially left mm-hmm. me paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in the hospital for several weeks. It was like having a stroke and uh, it wrecked my life, um, which I actually now call that the first part of my healing journey. Um, okay. I tell people it should have been a wake up call. But it really mm-hmm. was. I really spent the next four or five years kind of trying to go back to my old life, not realizing um, that I was not headed in the, the right direction. I wasn't really taking care of myself uh, very well right before I got sick. Um, I was managing a lot, re- not really asking for help. Uh, I was a single mom at the time, and it, it just a lot was going on, and mm-hmm. I wasn't wasn't eating right. I was pumping a lot of caffeine, et cetera, et cetera, right before this happened. And so, uh, I was ultimately diagnosed about six months later. Uh, well, they initially told me I was going to get better. And then they were like, you're never going to get better. And I was mm. ultimately diagnosed with, uh, fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis and wow. a whole bunch of other stuff, kind of one after the other over the years. And, uh, so yeah, I ended up, I had two more kids. I had a, uh, a son in 2013 and shortly okay. him, I was diagnosed with the RA. And then I had another son in 2016. Um, so I've got four kids now. They're wow. 21, 19, eight and four. That's awesome. So got a quite a spread there. Yeah. But as for your other question, you said, what does positive affirmation mean to me? Yes. Um, so affirmations are one of those things where if it's a brand new concept to you, um, you really, it's one of those kind of fake it. So you make it kind of things in the beginning, right? Because right. Some affirmations that you're using, you might not quite believe them yet, but in my experience, the more you use them and kind of reach for the feelings that those affirmations bring you, Little by little, you start kind of convincing your mind that um, that they're they're true and they're attainable for you. Um, my favorite, I guess it's not an affirmation. Maybe it is. It's more of a quote, but it's basically that you can't let life get in the way of living. And right. 
really how I've been living my life the past three or four years is that, and I mean, honestly, I've been living that way pretty much my entire life, but it didn't really um, become a almost like a way of living for me until the past a couple of years ago. Um, okay. And, and really what that means to me is just that like life's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Things are going to happen and it's up to us to perceive those as in a positive light as much as possible. And I know that a lot of times it's really difficult, especially like mm-hmm. I was in the beginning stages of, you know, being sick and the pain and the fatigue. And I still deal with that on a daily basis. But my mindset about the pain and the fatigue now is completely different. And that also helps alleviate it because I'm not so focused on it. I'm focusing on other things. The pain really doesn't have a chance to, uh, you ever heard this stuff saying what you folk, uh, what's where energy goes, where your focus goes, energy flows. And right. the more you focus on all the negative in your life, the more it, you kind of seem to attract it into your life. So the same thing goes with pain and fatigue and these things that kind of pop up in our lives where um, we're really being given an opportunity to learn lessons, right? About Mm. what we're doing, uh, about other people, about ourselves, you know? So yeah, that's, I think positive affirmations are a fantastic tool to use. Um, Mm. Like I said, I know I didn't stick with it and I had to keep kind of going back to it in the beginning because feeling it, I wasn't believing, I'm like, this is nonsense. I don't believe that it's really going to happen. Um, but the more I practice, it's a practice just like anything else. The more I practice, the more I started to believe these things and started seeing them come to life, um, you know, come to fruition in my own life. So, yeah. Uh-huh. That's wonderful. I mean, you just said uh, learning. You're very accountable to yourself. And you're, I think you're very in tune to yourself. I can tell it right off the bat. And that's awesome. And you're learning more and more about yourself as long as your journey progresses. Um, and when you first were diagnosed with GBS, um, what, uh, you said you were trying to go back to your old life. What, like, what made you like, think like you can, what was the mentality there that made you think like, I want to go back to my old life? What, 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 dive in a little deeper into your thinking there and what, what you were feeling emotionally, mentally, and what, how that evolved you today, the person that you are so, today? So I was angry. I went through the seven stages of grief for sure. I was honestly pissed. And my initial reaction was like, I want to get the hell out of the hospital. I've got stuff. Right. To do. I've got kids. Like, I want I want my life. And okay. something like that happens where, like I said, it was like having a stroke. So I lost motor skills. I lost my right. some of my speech abilities. I had to learn how to walk all over again. Yes. Uh, and it was just a major inconvenience, right? Like, that's <laughs> how I felt was it was a major inconvenience. It was just this blip. I was going to get through it, go back to doing my accounting work, going back to raising my kids. My husband and I were uh, had agreed to reconcile right before I um, got sick and we ultimately got back together, hence the two more kids. And it, but I was, I was angry. I was very angry and I was in denial and, uh, when the doctors came back and said, you're not going to get better. I was kind of like the hell I'm not like this. 
tell me that. Yeah, I was yeah. very defiant, and and that worked in my favor to a point. Um, I, I I think it's possible that maybe that set my healing back some, but at the same time, everybody's kind of got their own healing journey. Um, right. And I was definitely, like I said, I I felt like everything had been stripped away from me in moments. Like I had uh, okay. my my uh, my independence. I had lost my self worth. Well, all these things blamed right. it on that. And what I realized just within the past year or two, maybe even the past just the past year, was that um, I was so stubborn and hard headed, as you could probably tell. Um, my body had been giving me signals and cues that I was not healthy and that I needed to do better for myself. And I wasn't paying attention. I was on multiple psych meds um, when this happened. Uh, And actually I was on them all the way up to 2017 until I told my doctor kind of to take a hike. Wow. But when you said that I am in tune with myself, it was funny. It made me smile because that wasn't always the case. I spent a lot of time mm. ignoring and not being able to hear my inner voice, my inner intuition between the meds and just kind of trying to numb everything. Um, mm. It was in a, that evolved over the past few years. Like I went back to that. Like, so I was, I, I had a period up until maybe early twenties where I kind of was, and then all of a sudden things kind of shifted. And then I, I wasn't anymore. I was definitely listening to, you know, judgments of other people, other people's opinions. I was society, like all of these different things. Um, and so the, the evolution really started in two that, well, I guess that the, the turning point, which I call the second part of my healing journey was when in 2017, I told okay. my I was done with the psych meds because I had been going mm. for 15 plus years and they were putting me on this one and taking me off that one and increasing this one. And my symptoms weren't getting any better. And I wasn't learning any coping techniques. I wasn't learning any, I didn't even realize that the behavioral or cognitive behavioral therapy was a thing for adults. Like my son was going through it, but I didn't know that was something that they did with adults. Right. And I, I finally, uh, he told me one day that the I came in and said, look, um, I'm having a- really strong anger and rage and I was like, and, and anxiety. Same kind of thing every few months. And he said, oh, well, it could be this one med that you've been taking for 15 years. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I was like, there's got to be a better way. And I said, I, just, yeah. I don't even know what I'm like without medication. I want to try to get a baseline and figure out a better way to, to manage this. And that was really when I kind of took my power back and started this new evolution of like, learning uh, what I was, learning what I liked. These were all things that I didn't know about myself. I didn't, I right. didn't know who I was as a, as a person because I had been on, you know, basically mind altering drugs for so long. And I'm not saying, I, they know, I know the meds have their place and I'm not telling anybody don't take them or trying to scare right. you. But the right. main, thing you need to keep in mind when you take something like this is you've got to also put the work in it's not uh it's like a band-aid <laughs> it's not going to heal right, you yeah 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 it just covers things up and helps you kind of cope better while you're learning how to manage your symptoms and hopefully oh you know overcome them 
so yeah, that, like I said, the evolution really kind of, I feel like started, I mean, I guess it's all an evolution, right? It's all part of the journey. Right. Yeah. But I really totally. started to dig in after telling him that. And it was funny because right after I did that, all of these things sort of started coming to me. Like I started learning about Tony Robbins and, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Les Brown. And I, I like, I wasn't a YouTube person, but all of a sudden I'm listening. Right these people speak and I'm like, wow. And I'm like, I didn't even realize these people existed and these cultures, existed <laughs> and you know, all of these amazing things, Totally. meeting new people. And it was just, it was like, once I was said, I'm going to listen to myself and to my body and to my inner voice, which I was still kind of trying to find, um, everything just kind of started opening up and coming my way. So that's that's awesome. And it just it took you to get off those meds and really realize who you were and take a step back and really, really evaluate and do some deep soul searching to figure out who Bonnie was. And I think that that was I think I think you took a very courage move right there. It takes a lot of courage to to get off your meds and say, I'm I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to take a risk. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was sometimes anger can be a good thing, right? Like it can be a fuel to right to move on to better things, to find something better. And that's definitely I was angry at my doctor. Um, but at the same time, I had to take that accountability, right? Like I had access to the Internet. I could have been looking this stuff up, but I put my full trust in him versus trusting my body. And okay. That's the big distinction is that I think doctors are fabulous. I still work with my rheumatologist. Right, right. You know, they, they, they are, they're helpful, but they also only see you for a few minutes every so often, oh. what, three months, six months, mm. one year. They don't know your body. They know medicine, but they don't know your body. As right. Well. Right. There, there's been so many times where I've been hospitalized for my asthma and like a year and a half ago, two years ago. I was like dealing with a really bad um, hair influenza and asthma together. And the doctor in the ER told me, maybe this is your new, your new, um, your new baseline, your new, um, your, your new, your new, your new baseline. And I was like, you don't know what my baseline is. You don't know what my, um, you don't know me. So I, I totally agree with you there. I yeah. Totally and it's agree. frustrating. I mean, the one mission I'm on right now is to help women, well, anybody, but mostly women that are, you know, newly diagnosed or um, have just gone through some kind of trauma and really feel kind of stuck. Right. Because unfortunately, the doctors, most doctors anyways, the ones that I've encountered, don't give you a necessarily great prognosis. They're basically like, this is how it is. This is degenerative. Like I was never once told that I could cure myself of depression or bipolar disorder or anxiety. Like that wasn't even on the table. And I fully believe that that was something I was going to have to live with for the rest of my life. Wow. And I still yeah. have, you know, I still struggle with anxiety here and there, but I, because I've given myself the chance to learn how to manage it and how to reverse it, um, you know, I was able to kind of figure that out. It wasn't easy, but I'm also able now to help other people um, work through these things and use practical, you know, tips and techniques and do some soul searching of their own and get in touch with their own intuition and kind of start listening to it again. 
because um, a lot of anxiety comes from uh, these unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves. Oh, totally. A fear of not measuring up in some way. So it's a lot of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, lack of confidence. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh that's what I that's what I'm working on now as I as I'm coaching every few women that I coach and I kind of help them work through those things, but from what I've learned. So Oh, that's awesome, you know, and I think they can learn a lot from your journey because you've been through a lot and you've been through a lot emotionally, physically, and you made it through the other side and now um, you know, you you've 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 accomplished so much and now you're starting your own business. You you've won the two minute drill. Um it, it, you've done so much. We'll get into that in a little bit, but um, you talked about being a little angry and um, let's, let's get back to the GBS thing real, really quick. Um, when I interviewed uh, Holly after GBS a few weeks ago, she told me she was, when, when it first happened to her, her, her battle was like 10 years as well. When it first happened to her after giving birth, she was really mad at God. Did you feel the same, the same way? I don't, I think I was so far removed from anything, believing that anything out there was really taking care of me at that point. I wasn't, okay. but, but like I said, I went through the seven stages of grief. I mean, I spent several months having to climb up my stairs to use the bathroom because I couldn't walk properly. And oh, yeah. two kids at home and my husband had actually left to go to Texas to pursue a job down there. Wow. So the first few months I had, you know, I was angry. I, I, I don't know if I was angry at God. I was just angry that it had happened. I was angry right. at, and, and like I said, frustrated, but very much in a why me headspace at that point. It wasn't like I was mad at anyone particular. Like I wasn't even mad at myself because I didn't even make the connection that I kind of, you know, I'm not going to say I caused it, but I allowed it to happen. I chalked that into my life. Cause I wasn't right. doing what I needed to be doing, you know, for myself. And like I said, I was so stubborn. I think my body was just like, you're not listening to any of these small cues. So we're going to shut you. I, I call it like being shut off by a surge protector because my body just all of a sudden just completely stopped working. You know, it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was very sudden for me. Um, so yeah, I, can't say that I was mad at God because I wasn't even sure of his existence at that point. Right. Totally. And then how did you, um, how did you, how do you take better care of your body now? Do you go to the gym? Do you, uh, I know you said you're coaching some blind, you're not taking the meds anymore, but how do you take care of better care of your body now? Do you go to the gym? Do you run? Do you exercise? That's a really great question. Um, so I started with nutrition well, I actually started with yoga. I've, I've been doing yoga off and on for several, for a few years now, three or four years. Um, I stretch my body every day, um, sometimes twice a day. I spend a good half an hour stretching. Um, and I don't run. <laughs> I just bought a bike. <laughs> uh, yeah, running my knees. I don't know if my knees and my spine, the, the arthritis moved into my oh, totally. yeah, yeah. two years ago. And I'm actually kind of nervous because it's, it's, doesn't like it's in a great place right now. However, I bought a bike and my son has a bike and we're going to start bike riding. He's building it up so that it's as comfortable and as safe for my spine as it can possibly That's awesome. be. And we're going to try that. Um, let me know. Let me know how it goes. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Th thank you. 
Uh, I'm a little bit nervous because I haven't been on a bike in probably 25 years. Um, but I also do other <laughs> nutrition wise, right? So I've eliminated dairy from my diet because for me that was a huge um and right. yeah, yeah. I all but eliminated sugar from my diet. I still like uh flavored creamer in my coffee in the morning, but other than that, I try not to eat too much other added sugars, uh refined sugars. I still eat fruits and things like that. Um, and I also make this crazy protein shake that my kids cringe at every time they see it. Oh, uh, really? Consists of it has a collagen protein, a soy protein, a hemp protein, and then super green powder all in one. Because um, wow. the only way I can That's get a lot it all of protein. Down, yeah, it's it's close to fifty grams of protein, I think. Oh my god! That's the only way I can get it down, and I use that, and I take about thirteen different vitamins and supplements. <laughs> um, from a dozen psych meds to a dozen supplements. These are much healthier for my body. And I take them in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, I, and I've really noticed a huge difference. I have a quick question for you. Did you oh. did you did you give that smoothie to Dave Meltzer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I actually I'm trying to think. I didn't start making I started off with um with a whey protein of all things and then realized I couldn't do dairy at all. Um, it, it, I've only been making this one for maybe a year and a half now. And it was like, I started out with one thing and then I kind of added something else and added something else. The so same with the vitamins. Like I didn't start off taking wow. different supplements. I started off with like the three basics, like calcium, magnesium, and vitamin D, and then just started researching and kept adding them on. Um, and I actually didn't start doing that. And so, uh, I think it was 2019 because in 2018, was when I found out I had the arthritis in my spine and I panicked and I went to my doctor and she put me on Humira, which is a biologic injectable medication. And it wrecked my life. Um, it was horrible for me. I know it works for some people. Uh, but yeah, it, so in that kind of going through that whole thing where I was as I was when I first came home all over again, I was like, there again, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's when I kind of started researching supplements and, uh, you know, for brain function and joint function, right. fog was really bad. Um, and I've had so much, like, I wouldn't have been able to do this two years ago. There's no way, like my train of thought wouldn't have allowed me to carry on a conversation and, and keep my kind of my place where I'm talking. Um, my short-term memory was in a really bad place at that point. Um, so yeah, I know I, those things have helped. Now, on t- besides what I've ingested and the, the exercise, I also try to meditate. Um, I listen to sleep hypnosis and sleep meditation when I go to bed. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of reading, tons of reading, um, self-help, personal development type books, mostly. Um, and the one thing that I have... Just recently, we had we had a fire, and I just recently started. Are you to, okay? Oh yeah, everything. Got a fire? We no, okay. no no no. We had a fire about a month ago. Okay it, okay. It was the first time in my entire life that I remember that I actually allowed myself to sit with the fear and process it, versus my old mo, which was just kind of plowing through everything, trying to kind of ignore that or stuff it, and then having it come back up later more fiercely. So that's a really key thing to kind of to, to self-care. I mean, it is an act of self-care to allow yourself to feel things as they come in and process right. and then release them 
and move on with what, you know, go back to doing what you need to do. Um, and a lot of yeah. us kind of taught that you, you to suppress and to ignore and, you know, to medicate, to do all right. of these things that we, so we don't feel right. And I spent right. so long trying to not feel that every time a feeling came back, it was, it came back with a vengeance. Right. Um, so that's something that a lot of people don't think of when they think of self-care. Um, for me, I've learned how important it is to, to allow yourself to kind of process these feelings. And like I said, and then release them. Uh, you don't want to hold on to them forever. You don't want to get stuck kind of in that space. But when you ignore them, they just keep coming back because <laughs> like what you resist persists, right? You know, it, these things are just going to keep showing up in your life until you deal with them. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you meditate like 30 minutes a day or do you? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm so bad. Well, I do the sleep meditations, but uh, I have, I'm learning how to meditate. I can sit and be quiet. Um, but I just, for some reason, I'm still learning how to, I guess, listen. Like I'm learning how to, you know, a lot of people ask a question and they meditate and they kind of get their answers at some point. And I haven't right. gotten that part down. Um, so I guess I'm attempting to meditate probably 15 minutes a day. It just doesn't feel like real meditation yet. And I guess, yeah, 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 yeah. Thing, but for me, I'm like, I'm still kind of waiting for this. I don't know, something that happened. So, right. It's a practice too, right? It's something you have to learn how to do. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. It takes time. You got to get it down, you know. Right. Um, I have a quick question about um, your energy levels after you take your vitamins. As opposed to when you first started taking your vitamins or even before, how has your energy changed? I think you touched on a little bit, but if you, got, if you could dive a little deeper on how it has affected you and how have you noticed it like in the moment? So I think there's definitely a difference. Now I'm not running Speedy Gonzalez and I still need to like motivate myself to do certain things. Um, the, I don't, the, but here's the biggest thing, the biggest couple of things that the taking these have done for me. I don't have the excruciating joint pain like I used to. Um, not waking up in a ton of pain like I used to on m most days. Um, the fibromyalgia symptoms are pretty much gone. And I'm not. Wow. Flaring. So I don't know if people would know what a flare is, but it's an increase of symptoms. And the, the flare can last anywhere from a couple of hours to a, right. a several months. And I used to have a flare regularly. Um, now. If it happens, it'll last a couple of hours, maybe a day, but I can usually kind of get myself back on track. The other thing that I've noticed is um, my brain, my cognitive function. I take a fish oil, a high, high yeah. fish oil. Um, my thinking is clearer. My speech is clearer. My ability to process That's awesome. is clearer. And that for me was like the biggest thing that was brought Pain and fatigue suck. Like I'm not going to pretend like they're they're lovely, but the not being able to think straight is what used to drive me crazy. So I don't I don't know if I necessarily have more physical energy. I have a more stable 
energy level throughout day after day after day, if that makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm not being dragged down to this horrible like flare level every few days or every couple of weeks anymore. So you found your baseline. Yeah. I have a higher baseline now, a better baseline. Yeah. yeah That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. Um, and talk about um your journey of uh talk a little bit about, you know, are you are you're writing a book, aren't you? Um I am. I'm working on a book very slowly but surely. <laughs> What is it about? And um, so it's it's going to be called right now. Tentative title is Unbreakable, um, and it's going to be about my journey and the lessons and story stories with the lessons that I've learned, and then practical tips to help people um, be more resilient. You know, get help them with their anxiety and depression. Um, hopefully, help uh, like I said, people who are in their beginning stages find hope and realize that these. They, things can get better. Um, it takes work, but you don't have to listen to your doctor that told you that things are never going to get better and they're probably going to get worse. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's really, I, I don't have everything all figured out yet. It's still a work in progress. Um, but that's really what I want to do is just help people from everything that I've learned and kind of going through this myself the past decade, decade and a half. So and talk a little bit about winning the two-minute drill, Dave, David Meltzer's um, game show uh, back in 2020. That's an interesting story. So um, back in 2020, uh, when everything shut down, I uh, decided to learn how to sew. I was making T-shirts, branded apparel for companies and organizations. That's kind of what Posh Notions is or was. Okay. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was no demand for that. And I had three people come and ask me to make custom masks. And originally I said no, because I did not know how to sew. But when the first per or third person asked me, I was like, I got to at least give this a shot. I believe in the law of three. Let's see what happens. And from that, I ended up making masks and I launched, it, launched an Etsy shop. And once I learned how to sew, I wanted to sew everything. So I was making all of these really cool projects um, from upcycled materials. So um, up cycled items from vintage materials because I could not get new materials um, for a reasonable cost in a reasonable amount of time. I was using a lot of vintage stuff and turning it into new things. And I really love this idea. So uh, sometime later in August, I decided I wanted to build an upcycling company. And I talked to David and I was like, you think I could do this? And he was like, absolutely. And then the idea kind of just sat there. Um, and in the, over the next couple of months, David was running Two Minute Drill, which is a pitch competition on, I think, on right. maybe on Instagram, but he was doing it live. And right. um, at some point in October, I think it was, they decided to take it to global TV. So it ended up on Bloomberg and Amazon Prime. And I started kind of hinting around that I might want to try it, but I never honestly actually thought that I was going to go through with it. It was like, I didn't honestly believe that I was any kind of competition for the people that I saw who were pitching. Did not belong there. Um, did not think I had what it took. And some point in November uh, in a private coaching group, we were talking about two minute drill and I brought it up again. And at the very end of the session, he said, anybody who hasn't signed up needs to go sign up. Uh, and he's like, and that means you, Bonnie, and like calls me out in front of the whole group. And I'm like, oh, crap. Now I have to do this. 
So, so wait a few more days before I applied and uh, ended up applying. And uh, like, okay, cool, I'm done. I applied. I, I don't have to do anything else. And then like three days after that, I get this email that said that I was picked, chosen to pitch. And I was completely freaking out. That's awesome. <laughs> Running around, I'm going to be on TV, trying to explain to people what I was talking about. They had no idea. And I was like, look, I'm going to be on TV. That's all you need to know. I will tell you all the details as I know them. So I'm going to pitch this business idea. And um, then I had to write a pitch. And that was an interesting process because I really had no idea what to put in a pitch. And so I studied and studied and read and kind of figured it out. And all because I basically told David I was going to do this, right? I, I committed to doing it. So I was like, still not believing that I had any business being on this show. Right. I was going to do it anyways. And so day of the pitch finally comes and our power goes off. We have no power. <laughs> and we're recording this remotely. So I'm like, I'm just trying to go through the motions. Like I'm going to get a shower. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get ready. I'm going to like, either I'm going to go on or I'm not. Like there's only two options. For right. I do everything that I can. And in the meantime, I'm still practicing. Um, I practiced my pitch a total of 400 times on recording it. Plus, I don't know how many hundreds of times walking up and down my sidewalk. Finally, our internet comes or our power comes back on. The internet's still cutting out. And I log in like five, like five minutes before I was supposed to log in. I think our internet finally kicked back on. And recording something like this is actually a lot of standing around waiting for your turn, uh-huh. <laughs> like three and a half hours of standing around. <laughs> uh, I got to listen to everybody's pitch and I'm like, wow, that guy was really great. And that one, oh no, I think that one, <laughs> that one won. No, I think that one won. And I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back. And then I get my turn and I go and all of a sudden I got this a huge adrenaline rush. Like I was pretty calm up until right. I, my face popped up and I had to speak. And did my whole pitch. And then I, again, I was like, I'm done. Okay, that's it. I did what I said I was going to do. I'm done. And the producer comes back on and he's like, we need to re-record your pitch. And I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I finally came down, from, was coming down from this adrenaline rush. And said, you got to re-record because my video was pixelated. Oh, wow. Like three or four more times. And finally I was like, look, that's it. I, I can't do this anymore. That's crazy. How about I just record it and send it to you and you can do whatever (laughs) stuff that you do. Yeah, totally. And uh, they ended up keeping the original video. And I think it kind of because it plays into my underdog story that and I stumbled when I gave my pitch and it was not stumbling when I was kind of redoing it. So I guess maybe the audio and video wasn't going to match up. I don't know. I'm not an editor, but so, yeah, it. So I, I was number five and there was, uh, there was a couple after me and I listened to their pitch and all of a sudden it kind of dawns on me that I was the only contestant on my episode that didn't get any negative feedback or constructive criticism. Right. I'm like, wait a minute, I might've, I might've done this. And I, I was recording it on my phone for my own copy. Just so I had like the whole kind of part, you know, the whole thing uh, for me to watch back later. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think I won. I effing won. I got this. And the producer <laughs> comes on. And he's like, um, whoever, the winner's going to show up on the screen. Everybody else, just hang tight. We have some questions. And I'm like, I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, I see my face pop up on the screen. I am trying so hard not to freak out. 
and not cry. My family was downstairs and I couldn't say anything. And I didn't want them like rushing upstairs. And I'm just standing there going, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, uh, the underdog, I was an underdog, I guess you could say, who did not believe that she belonged in there in the first place. Uh-huh. Ended up winning 50000 in cash and prizes. That's and awesome. Made myself and David cry. They actually titled my episode, The Pitch That Made Us Cry. Um, wow. It's up on Amazon Prime now. Uh, it is season one, episode three. They are actually doing episode two now, or not episode season. They're in season two now, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it was a fabulous, phenomenal, scary, uh, getting out of my comfort zone experience. Uh, pushed me way out of my comfort zone. But so many amazing things have happened since then uh, because I, I went ahead and did that. You know, pushed myself out. Or actually, David pushed me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. So I'm grateful for that. You know, but I, I think you did it and you, um, you deserve so much credit for that. And I think, you know, I think we're, we're a little nervous until we actually like, um, we actually like start doing, you know, what we're not comfortable doing. And we, that's how real growth happens. And I think that's so important that you did that and look how, how much you've grown in the past year. And that's amazing. So, I think you, you, you deserve the at least half of the credit, a majority of the credit. So, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I definitely grappled with it afterwards. It was kind of interesting. I had almost like a reverse imposter syndrome because, like I said, I, I never intended to win. It was never my intent. I was just going on there to do my best. And so when I did come away winning, and the excite, the high of the excitement kind of came down. I was like, how the hell did I do that? Am I going to be able to do that again? That must have been a fluke. Like all of that negative kind of self-talk, my ego really, excuse me, hijacked me and was like, you're not good enough to do this again. And that was a fluke. And they must have just really liked you or, you know, like all of these different crazy thoughts were in my head. Um, and what I, I kind of ended up learning from that and and actually, something else I learned when, when we had this fire and, and kind of processing my fear was, um, I allowed my inner spirit to kind of to come through, right? Like I was telling my story, giving my pitch. I wasn't focused on winning. I was, and because I wasn't focused on winning, the universe kind of delivered way more than I was ever expecting because I was only focused on doing the absolute best that I could. Um, and then when I kind of, that all that reconciled, it, it opened up so much more for me, um, like I'm ready to, I'm actually, I have a, a, an audition tomorrow for a speaker training group. Um, That's awesome. And this is two and a half years in the making. Thank you. I told mm-hmm. my coach two and a half years ago, I think it was, that I wanted to speak, but I didn't think I had the credibility. I didn't feel like I had, you know, what was I going to talk about? Um, how was I going to motive? You know, all again, all this imposter syndrome, ego talk, trying to talk me out of doing this thing. And I finally said to myself the other day, I'm not, I'm ready to do this. It's not going to be easy. Getting up on stage is probably going to be super scary, <laughs> but by not doing it, I'm actually doing a service to a lot of people who could be helped by hearing, you know, kind of what I have to say, what I have to teach. And that's really sure. my driving factor now. Mm. Oh, oh, totally. You know, they need to hear your story and, and, uh, 
you know, just, just your your journey and and how much you've overcome and how, you know the, the the how much you've accomplished. And they they also need to hear like, you know, I I'm right there with you. I think we have a lot in common. We're we're fighters. We never let we never let society or you know or negativity get you know the best of us. I mean, I'm, I was right there with you when I first started speaking over over in 2010. You know, I, when I first one of my counselors told me to go speak at a at a classroom, I was like, "You're crazy." But when I started doing it, I I really enjoyed it, and I think it took a lot of courage. I you know I came out of there very sweaty, but um, <laughs> you know, but but I think we have me and you have the same courage and. We have the same strength and and look look you did the two minute drill. I mean you were nervous but you you still pulled it pulled it together and you you won the competition and that takes a lot of courage and that takes a lot of strength and a lot of determination. So you got to give yourself a lot more credit. So and I know I know we're we're our toughest critics sometimes ourselves. So but mm-hmm. you know I see a lot of great leadership and I think that's what David sees in you. And um, oh, a lot of great, a lot of great leadership, a genuine soul, a genuine leader. So, and that's been through a lot and you, you've overcome it. So you are truly the ability beast as well. So. Thank you. That means so much to me. I actually would love to talk to you at some time about how you got started um, speaking. Cause that's, that's the stage I'm at right now is, is um, I've been, so I've been doing interviews like this um, for the past several months. Um, I think the one, biggest thing that the two minute, I mean, the prizes were amazing. Don't get me wrong, but the big, <laughs> $50,000. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, but what it did for me was one, it started, it, can, it was a talking point. Right. So I felt like I kind of had that credibility or something interesting that people wanted to hear about but as I started having doing these interviews I realized that people actually did want to hear what I had to say and not just about the two-minute drill they wanted to know where I started and kind of when I went through and it gave oh, yeah. me the opportunity like you said to give myself some credit because in my mind I was just kind of surviving life for a really long time I didn't think that it was anything super spectacular but as I started telling my story and kind of picking things out, I realized that the persistence, it takes a lot of persistence and tenacity um, to, to kind of keep pushing through those things. Um, but I, I would definitely love to talk to you at some point. Uh, like I said, it, I guess it gave me the confidence and it gave me the chance to talk to other people. And it gave me that credibility that I kind of thought I needed two years ago. Uh, I kind of checked off that box for me. But the more I, I do this, it's, it's, it's given me the, I guess, the confidence to know that I can help other people. Not just think it, but actually know. It's a knowing now versus what it was. You know, you know, Bonnie, you're already doing it because you're already coaching people. You're already been on stage. You're already been on center stage on live TV or Amazon or Bloomberg. You've been there. You've done that. You've you've lived it. You've you're living it right now. You're you're on this podcast. You're doing interview after interview after interview. You're, you're doing uh, interviews with David. Um, you're, you're constantly in 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 the moment, you know. And so you're you're doing it, and and I, I want you to realize that you're already in it. So you know. So thank you. you know, I you're already doing it. <laughs> you're already coaching people. So motivational speaking 
it's like coaching, but you're giving it to a, a, a crowd, you know, same thing, but you know, you just got to shift your, your, all it is, is, a, is, is you're shifting your, um, the, the, the place that you're at and the people that you're speaking to, you know, and rather than speaking to one-on-one, you're speaking to a group. So you're already doing it. So, you know, you're doing an amazing job and I'm just so blessed that you came on today and I got to hear your story. And I do have a question for you though. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And if you could, if you could go back to give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be 10 years ago? Oh boy. Um, so I really don't do the 10 year ahead thing anymore, only because had you asked me what I was going to do 10 years ago, I would not, this would not be on my radar at all. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but, but, but to answer the question, I mean, because I'm working on getting on stage and motivating and speaking and inspiring, and that's what I want to be on stage, you know, screaming at people, telling them how unbreakable they are and right. you know, helping them with their self doubt and, their confidence and showing them what strength that they have inside as well. And I really think if I could say anything to my, to myself 10 years ago, cause it's been almost in August, it'll be a decade since I got sick. I think I would just tell myself you're on the right path because I really feel like I had to go through all that nonsense <laughs> to get to where I am as much as a lot of it really sucked. Um, the universe puts these things in front of us to teach us lessons and to teach us about ourselves. And I'm not sure going about it any other way would have convinced my stubborn, hard-headed self at that point that this was something I was going to be doing, you know? Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Everything happens with Everything happens for a reason, and Absolutely. it only it only made you stronger. I mean, look how much you have overcome with your health. I mean, you know, and you're sitting here talking to me like like I like I mentioned before. You're going to be speaking on in front of a stage. You're, you've done the two minute drill. You're coaching clients. You're you're spreading your positivity all over the world, and and that's really really admirable. If you could give one piece of advice to people with disabilities, to um, you know. To society to, to change the narrative or move the narrative forward for people with disabilities what would it be to uh to, to society in general to get to move the conversation forward for people with disabilities and and to to to, to spread more awareness for people with disabilities i think the overarching um thing that i would want to or, and that i do tell um people you know, in society who are not disabled. It's just the compassion and empathy for other human beings. And I think that's just general advice for anyone, right? Um, and to tell the people who are who are dealing with a disability, whether it's new or you've been dealing it with it for a while or you're going through some, you know, depression or anxiety or, or whatever, is don't underestimate yourself. Honestly, just so many people underestimate themselves. And so many people, like I said, hear what that doctor says and either don't get a second opinion. Like I, again, these are things that pitfalls that I went through where I was, even though I was fighting back and still doing things, it was still in the back of my mind that I was never going to get better. And I was only ever going to get worse. Um, 
because of the history and the nature of these diseases, yeah. like I have, they are degenerative. Um, and I think doctors, right. unfortunately, think they're doing patients um, a good thing by telling them, like not giving them a prognosis where they're going to be healed. Because then when if they're not healed, then, you know, the doctor's to blame. Um, or they feel bad or they feel like they're not doing what they should be doing. So, yeah, I, I really feel like just don't underestimate yourself. Get another opinion and do the best you can to, to kind of a lot of this stuff is an undoing. Right. When you get sick, it's undoing everything that you did that allowed your body to get sick, unfortunately. Right. Um, and I know people don't want to hear that. And that's why I kind of hesitated, but it's really the truth. I, I probably could have avoided a lot of this had I done a better job of taking care of myself and listening to my own body and my own. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think you, I mean, you had to go through some of this to make the person that you are today. I don't oh, think you'll be the sure. same person. I really don't think you'll be the same person if you didn't go through it. So sometimes, yeah. you know. I, I agree a hundred percent. That's why I said I, I, as much as it sucks, I wouldn't change any of it. Um, because I just, I, I had to learn the hard way. Unfortunately, it's just how I was wired. Um, and I right. say because I'm getting better at taking the small cues and, um, trying to learn from them. Right. And I do have one more question for you. You touched on it earlier. Um, and a lot of the people that I've interviewed, they have, you know, they have the same problem and, and it's a big issue in, within society. Um, you mentioned depression and anxiety. How do we, how do we help the, you know, how do we help just depression and anxiety in this country? Because it seems like, you know, three out of four people have it. <laughs> yeah, I think it boils down a lot to expectations, right? Um, and accountability. And a lot, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without sounding sounding too offensive, but it is it is about accountability and, and the expectations we have of others and the importance we place on things other than ourselves. And really, um, like we're looking at like judgment, for example, you know, we are, are, are taking other people's opinions of ourselves to heart. And that's dete like deteriorating our self-worth. Right. And, and depression has a lot and anxiety both very closely tied to what our self-worth is. Totally. One thing that I want to do and I'm working on slowly but surely is an emotional resiliency program for kids um, that helps them learn to be solution oriented and think positively and be optimistic and not take to heart the other things, the other rude and mean things that other kids say to them. Um, and it's kind of tackling bullying from both sides, from the side of, you know, I remember when I was a kid, we did, we had this saying, it was like sticks and stones may break your bones. Names will never hurt me. And we would say that and actually mean it. Like, so a kid called us a name and you would say that goofy little rhyme. It was kind of like brushing off the person who said whatever they said. And unfortunately we've just, as a society have learned to be offended by everything. And I think that these are things that, no, don't get me wrong. Some of this is biochemical. Some of this um, needs professional help. Some of it needs to be medicated. Um, 
I know like I had postpartum depression. There was no way in hell I was getting through that on my own. I needed help from a doctor and, and medication while I kind of was processing all of this and, and learning how to, 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 to deal with it. But I think a lot of it, unfortunately, stems from um, expecting to find our happiness in other people and expecting other people to be nice to us all the time. And that's just not how things work. Um, and then when they don't work that way, we feel like it's uh, we're not worthy of happiness or being liked when really it's just a projection of like the way the other person kind of feels about themselves. I know that kind of was in a circle. Um, I'm getting, trying to get better at explaining this, but I really glad that you asked that question because I really feel like a lot of this boils down to um, how kids learn about self-worth um, and not being and I, dependent mm-hmm. on others' opinions. And I, and I think a lot of people get lonely and a lot of people get, bored you know i hear a lot of people young people talk about i'm bored nobody should ever be bored in life and i think boredom is like you should always keep your mind stimulated i always start laughing and i always just laugh at my own jokes and i you know you got to laugh at yourself sometimes you know in order to keep your mind stimulated you got to just i'm always moving forward and i'm always doing something to try to keep my mind stimulated every day um i don't think boredom should be should be in, in the equation do you agree? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I absolutely agree. I just told my eight-year-old the other day when he told me he was bored, I was like, okay, go find something to do. Like, <laughs> there is no reason <laughs> that, uh, uh, that you should be bored. Like, we were playing with sticks and stuff when I was a kid. Oh, making, yeah. Like, witches brew, we would call it. Like, from sticks and literally sticks. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixing stuff, like using our imaginations. And I think, unfortunately, not a lot of kids are told not to use their imaginations or aren't. Their imagination isn't encouraged and every once in a while, like I think that's the first time I've heard say that in maybe a year and a half. But chronic boredom is a problem. Um, and and right. on the note of loneliness, I totally understand that. However, that's another one of those things where you're expecting somebody else to fulfill something where you are should be fulfilling yourself. Right. Totally, I agree also, with. So I think part of that is again fear of judgment because. We have here in America, most people have a smartphone or have some way to access the internet and you can reach out to people. You can find a group for anything on Facebook. You can find people on Instagram. You can find people on the internet. There's Reddit, there's forums. There's all these different ways you can connect with people. But I feel like a lot of people are afraid to reach out because, you know, it's hard to say I'm lonely. Um, Hard to say I'm struggling with this. It's hard to... You know, it's scary to face the stigma that's out yeah. there surrounding these things. Um, but ultimately, it's your responsibility to cure your loneliness and to cure your boredom. Nobody else is going to really do that for you. And unfortunately, if you're constantly reliant on somebody else to fill that for you, when that person is gone, your you know boredom or loneliness is going to come back. And you're putting your, the power and your happiness in somebody else's hands. That's oh, not totally. a place to be. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's like I said, I, I completely agree with you that um, despite some severe, severe, you know, limitations, those things should not really be, those, they should be a non-issue. Those are things that you need to kind of take responsibility for. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I, and when we were growing up, we used to play water balloon fights. We used to like I I was a big Power Ranger fan, so I would go out there with sticks as well, you know. And we would play like an episode fight. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not advocating fighting, but I'm just saying like we used to play like you know TV shows, you know, and, yeah. and re reenact the TV shows and and go outside. I, I don't think enough kids they go outside and get fresh air anymore. And I think. Uh, especially around Halloween, nobody goes trick or treating anymore, and it's really depressing. So yeah, yeah, we didn't go last year because of COVID, and I'm high risk. But we take our kids trick or treating every year. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Even my older ones sometimes will dress up and go out with my younger. <laughs> That's them, cool. You know? That's cool. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, the the whole notion of daydreaming and imagination. Unfortunately, I know a lot of that stuff is kind of kicked out of us metaphorically in school elementary school stop daydreaming pay attention do your work you know um, I totally yeah some of it's kind of now we're coming like back kind of full circle at least in my kids elementary school I'm noticing that they really promote imagination and creative thinking and creative problem solving whereas it wasn't like that for a long time um but yeah I I I agree um unfortunately and like i said it's hard to say and it's hard to hear a lot of this stuff we kind of bring on ourselves and it's our job it's our responsibility to ourselves to to take care of them in whatever way you know i have one person in my life that's constantly telling me she's bored and i'm like you've been home for a year and a half and this is this is a a, right that's older than me and the knows better and I'm like, look, I have hundreds of books. I'll send you some books. I don't want to. Do that. <laughs> well, it's not. Then don't don't complain to me that, that you're you're a full grown woman. You have the <laughs> to go find something to do. You totally, know? totally, yeah. And, and it's like you just don't really. The boredom apparently isn't bothering you enough to go do something about it. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I help you. Sorry. Uh, I do have one more question for you, if sure. you don't mind. Um, what motivates you in the mornings? Motivates me in the mornings. Every day. What motivates you every day? I struggle getting out of bed. I'm going to be honest with you. When I am comfy, I have a hard time. I just read Mel Robbins' book, uh, Five, uh, The Five Second Rule. And I've been using that the past couple of mornings, um, especially in summertime when I don't technically have to get up at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, I, I do struggle. Um, but then I, I kind of lay there and I start thinking about what it is I want to do. And now that I'm kind of moving away, like I, I still love my t-shirt business and everything, still working on that. I'm still accepting clients, but since I accepted, and this was literally just a few days ago that I am ready to speak and I want to do this. I have been waking up the past few mornings of actually dreaming about this stuff, but like waking up and going like, I have people to help today. I have, I have, and I'm only going to be able to do that if I write everything for my audition, if I practice my speaking, if I'm reading about more ways that I can help, if I'm learning new techniques, if I'm, um, I've been tearing through books lately. I've read like eight books in the past months. And as much as I love learning, I'm also taking notes to help my coaching clients and to incorporate in my speaking. And I'm kind of making these connections. So really right now, What's driving me is 
getting excited about this new opportunity that, that's come. I can feel it coming my way. Um, yeah, I'm making it come, I'm attracting it, making it come my way. Uh, so yeah, I'd have to say that. That's beautiful. That that's amazing. I'm I'm so proud of you. And like, make sure you keep in touch. Keep me updated. And I always got your back. And um, thanks for having mine. And I, I appreciate your genuine friendship. And um, I'm here for you every step of the way. And um, that's what life's all about. We got to stick together and um, keep genuine people in our lives, moving us forward and encouraging us. Because I think a lot of people don't. There's not too many like people encouraging each other anymore the way they should be. So. You know, we, we got to look out for each other. Yeah, yeah I agree. And thank you so much. And I'll definitely be reaching out to you because, like I said, you said I'm doing it, but I'd like to know how you got started on stage. I'm, I'm curious how you made that that leap. Um, oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm uh, definitely well, going to email um, you about that. Most definitely. And um, uh, <clears throat> do you live in a, do you live in Orange County? Where do you where do you stay at? Oh, no, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, it's actually fairly nice today. We've had a lot of rain lately because of the, I guess the hurricanes that are kind of going up the coast right now. But other than that, it's been really nice. So oh, that's great. I, yeah, everybody I talk to every time I talk to somebody in California, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to move out west. <laughs> years, um, not not to Cali because my husband doesn't want to move to Cali, but probably like Nevada, <laughs> Utah area, hot and dry. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, um, uh, I, I was born in New York, so I, I totally feel you. Okay. Uh, I miss New York. You know, one day I'll probably move back out there. Um, but let me ask you one more question before I let you go, and uh, and then and then I once we when we, once we stop the show, I, I do have one more question for you after that as well. <laughs> and, then, okay. and then and then and then I'll let you go. <laughs> it was just as good. Uh, was this almost as good as Dave Meltzer, uh, the playbooks? <laughs> oh, man, I actually didn't get, I haven't been, it's funny. You yeah, said, you haven't been on the playbook. I have not, but now I feel like because you said it, uh, someday I'll get my shot. Yes, yes, um, yes. Uh, we'll make I, sure uh, we get you on the playbook. <laughs> someday, that would be fabulous. It's funny, like I said, I, but I do get to see David uh, once a week in our private coaching group, once or twice a week in private coaching group. I'm in two of them. Right. Music private coaching groups and so i get the opportunity to talk to him but yeah going on his show would be like a dream come true that would be amazing i have this whole i've gotten to meet david in person uh he came here a couple of years ago right before i right like a week after i started mentoring with him he came to pittsburgh um but i have this whole list i have two part pieces to my like vision board that right. are people that i want to meet and that's one of those other things that i can't wait to get to do is, you know, be on his show. It's like, I can't wait to do something so amazing that I get to be on your show. <laughs> so. I, I, you know, to tell you, uh, I, I started working with David uh, in 2012. He was, oh, uh, wow. you know, I, I was working with him at, at the Sports One Marketing and um, he, 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 he tr truly believes in people and, and, and he truly cares about people. And um, he's been a genuine friend of mine and a genuine mentor for many years and, and just a wonderful soul, a wonderful, beautiful person and a beautiful human being full of joy and happiness. And all he wants to do is help, help, help the world out and help. help. What does it say? Uh, 
help a lot of people make have, make a lot yeah. make a lot of money have a lot of fun and that's true but i think helping a lot of people for him is number one so the rest of the stuff is fine but i think helping a lot of people is 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 what drives him every day and it's such a blessing to have him as a friend and a mentor so i'm i'm so happy you got to win his show and and you earned it and um it was an amazing experience i'm just so happy that he's your mentor now and uh, you know, that's that's an amazing feeling for for you. That's beautiful. So I'm so happy for you. So thank yeah. you so much. He is so amazing. I remember when he came here to Pittsburgh, I think I had talked to him once prior to that. Either it was either I had talked to him right before or we had our first session right after. But I sat through this, it was a university something, but he was having a meetup afterwards. And I'm sitting there with my two-year-old in the stroller waiting while he's talking. And I literally had no idea half the stuff he was talking about because it was mostly business questions. You've got all these guys in suits and I'm here in a t-shirt and a pair of yoga pants. And uh, it was, I, so he's done speaking and everything. And I, and I walk over with my two-year-old and I'm like, can I give you a hug? I was like, I just need to feel your energy. <laughs> I was so excited to be there. I was like ready to burst because he just beams like this amazing like contagious joyous energy and I was like I just I just want to hug you and I'm like and it probably sound like a creeper but he was like he was like give me a hug but it was just he's he's so like magnet his personality is just magnetic it's just he's an amazing human being and has helped so many other people and I love watching where he's been you know gone just in the past two years since I've known him um, he's been on an amazing journey himself. And like you said, he's, he's helping the rest of us too, so that we can also help more people. Cause his major, um, his big mission is to empower a billion people to be happy. And he's, so he does by empowering a thousand people to empower a thousand people to be happy. And so we all get to kind of advocate and, and do his work as well, you know? So in our own different ways too. Like we're all helping people in a different way, um, but it's all help, helping. So I love everything uh, uh, I'll tell you a little story. I mean, not a little story, but um, you know, it's not just, you know, he, he has, uh, ever since I've known him since 2012, it's the people around him, like his, you know, his former, you know, uh, vice president at Sports One Marketing, Scott Carter. Scott Carter, I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, he he has wonderful people, amazing people around him. That um, you know, he he has a beautiful people that he's you know been been around over the years. So I, I'm just so blessed to know all of them. And um, you know, you know, and Scott Carter is one of my one of my best friends on this planet right now. So um, I'm just uh, truly blessed to 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 have met all of them and 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 just blessed for the whole experience that happened to me in 2012 that I got to meet him and his uh, entire team and, and like I said Scott and Dan, Danny Edwards and and all those great guys that that have been around him for years they're they're they're, they're some of my best friends so it's oh, such a blessing that's, that's so great to hear I'm so happy for you yeah I yeah that I've only known him for a couple of years but just in those two years my my growth has exponentially like multiplied. It's crazy how when you're open to that growth and when you're open to learning, 
that it's, it's what's that saying? It's when the student is ready, the teacher appears and David just, he poured into me so much and really helped me get out of, like I said, I, I took that chimera on my life was just wrecked when I met David, I was in a, a mess and I was still trying to kind of do all of these things. And he pointed out that I was not going to be able to do all the things I wanted to do if I didn't get healthy, at least as healthy as I could be. If I wasn't focusing on my health, I was not going to be able to help everybody else, at least not for very long. And I was like, that wasn't the advice I was looking for, but it was definitely the advice that I needed. And I think that's the one thing I love most about David is he meets people where they are and he knows what to say to help you right. get next level, right? To get to right. that Total. thing. It was like, I've asked him some questions and sometimes I'm left, I'm like kind of trying to figure stuff out and and I'm like, oh, that's why he answered me that way. Because he wanted yeah, yeah. me to figure it out on my own. You know, that kind of thing. Figure this part out for myself kind of thing. Um, so, yeah. He's just, he's an amazing human being. An amazing soul, like you said. Uh, I'm, I'm very, definitely very grateful to have him in my life as well. Yeah, that, that, he's an amazing man. Um, I, I just want to thank you again. And um, uh, it, uh, Ability Beats Talk, that's how we roll. It's been an amazing pleasure to have you today, uh, Bonnie. Um, please come back again soon. And uh, thank you so much. Ability Beats Talk, that's how we roll. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to Ability Beats Talk. Please remember to subscribe and follow the podcast, looking out for future episodes and amazing content as we change the world by powering through our struggles with positive affirmation. Ability Beast Talk is available on Apple, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. As always, Ability Beast Talk is powered by Ability on the Move, a nonprofit organization in Orange County, California, helping the disabled community with grants and scholarships. Please visit abilityonthemove.org to learn more about the Ability on the Move and who we are helping. Thank you for listening to Ability Beast Talk.